must know the times, answers to 25 essential questions on end-time prophecy, a powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. The world is spiraling out of control at an alarming pace. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods devastate entire communities. Global pandemics kill hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness threaten our societies. Political instability and the threat of war increase hostilities between nations. The birth pangs of distress are getting more intense each day. The question is, what do all these things mean, and where is this world headed? Unfortunately, at a time when people need answers the most, many do not know about the end times. You Must Know the Times, Answers to 25 Essential Questions on End Time Prophecy, is an eye-opening book that is specifically designed to educate readers on a wide range of subjects concerning the last days. This book will equip you to discern the times, in which we now live. You will learn what the Bible says about the signs of the times, the conflict in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, the Battle of Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, the Return of the Lord, and many more essential topics. Discover the powerful message the Book of Revelation has for Christians, and the perils that await a rebellious world. The Lord warns, look, I am coming like a thief. The one who is alert and remains clothed, is blessed. Therefore, it is vitally important that you must know the times. Be aware, be informed, and most of all, be prepared for things to come. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times, by Dennis James Woods, at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Praise the Lord, everyone out there in podcasts and YouTube, Facebook uh, land. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods. We're here with you one more time with the Revelation Revolution uh, uh, podcast. Uh, we are just so happy to uh, be with you again. Today is uh, uh, June 16th, 2022. And uh, we're going to basically take a break from my counterfeit charisma series. Uh, as you can see, I've changed my background back to Revelation Revolution because tonight we're going to be talking about a very, very important uh, doctrine uh, that that is an eschatological doctrine. And it is the title of this uh, lesson will be The Resurrection Rapture, The Resurrection Slant uh, Rapture. And we're going to take a look at uh, the rapture today, but uh, I want to just say this before we even begin our lesson. Most of the time when we talk about the rapture, believe it or not, it's not that so much that we're teaching it wrong, but we don't give the whole picture typically of what happens when the last trumpet uh, blows. Uh, we uh, have unfortunately have been uh, had our understanding of the rapture shaped by, by, by pop uh, uh, culture uh, and popular uh, eschatology, um, such as the Left Behind series and all of that. And, uh, and it dominates how we 
look at and how we understand this great doctrine uh, that we call uh, the rapture of the church. And so uh, in this lesson, we're going to get into it. Uh, you're going to hear some very, very interesting things. It, it, it wouldn't, won't be anything new, but you, you're going to hear some things, I think, that, uh, that you may not have considered before in this great study. So at this time, let's have a word of prayer, and we're going to get right into our lesson. Father, we do thank you in the name of Jesus for your love, mercy, and grace. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you are doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord God, for everyone that is listening, uh, either viewing or listening, Everywhere in the anywhere in the world, everywhere where it is heard, Lord God, we're asking, Lord God, that you continue continuously open up our eyes and our understanding. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, we know that no human being has all the answers when it comes to your return. There are just things we don't know. We don't know how they're gonna. Everything's gonna pan out, and though popular uh, eschatological. Uh, teachings have assured, made assurances to people, uh, Lord God, we submit to your word and we submit to the fact that we just do not have all the pieces to this puzzle. And Lord God, we ask you for wisdom and strength and guidance as we traverse through these very difficult and sometimes complex doctrines, Lord God, but in the core of it, at the center of it, is the truth about the revelation of Jesus Christ. So God, we give you the praise, we give you the honor, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so uh, let's get right into our lesson. We're going to go with our screen share oh glory to god and we're going to just get right into stuff because this is going to be really really great and i just thank god again for all of you uh that have tuned in and uh, are going to be blessed by this uh teaching on today so again today's lesson is the resurrection slant rapture Glory to God, and I, I, I have it that I'm saying it that way for a reason. Okay, the resurrection rapture. Uh, glory to God. So let's look at our uh, our first text, uh, the primary text that is typically associated uh, with the rapture of the church. And certainly, I agree that this text is dealing with the rapture. So I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want you guys starting off thinking. Oh, he says this. There is no rapture. No, we're not doing that. Okay. No, we're going to break it down to, in a way to where we can really understand what's what's going to happen at this event. First Corinthians chapter fifteen verses fifty one through fifty three, and it, the Apostle Paul here he says, "Behold, I tell you a mystery." I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal, this mortal body must put on immortality. And so this is uh, uh, a, one of the primary texts that I use. There's a few of them, but uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in our next one, which is 2 Thess uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter number 4, uh, is, uh, are probably the most prominent in two main 
uh, rapture uh, uh, scriptures that are used. There's other ones uh, that are also used, such as John, the 14th chapter of John and others. Uh, but we're going to be looking primarily at the First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 15 and First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 in, in this teaching. Uh, so let's begin to read here at the 13th verse. It says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus will God bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Glory to God. And then uh, beginning at verse number 16, then it says, for the, Lord himself, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we always be with the Lord. And so uh, it's just very, very interesting here that in both of these texts, uh, there is an emphasis that is placed in this also. But particularly in this one, uh, let's go back to uh, verse number 16. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of the archangel and with the, su the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. I want to emphasize that aspect. It is very, very important that we understand the order of this. Glory to God. The dead in Christ rise first. Now, and, and, and again, uh, usually when we read the rapture scripture, we go, we read it like this. It's kind of like how we do it. It says, and, and the dead in Christ rise first. We go right past that. And then it says, then we who are alive and remain who are left will be caught up together. And we get, and we get on that aspect of it. Ladies and gentlemen, we always, when we approach it, we approach it like the uh, the we we hop right over the dead in Christ rise first. We don't take, we don't spend any time on that, and we go right to and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. And the caught up part harpazo is where is where we get the idea of the the idea of the word rapture. And so so th this is typically how the rapture is taught. And it, there's a mention of the dead in Christ rising first goes goes right to then we get caught up and that's the part that we emphasize a glory to God but that's not actually giving the whole picture as the scripture gives it and Paul is very very meticulous here in pointing out the fact that the living will not precede the dead the dead in Christ rise first and so this is going to be a part of the uh, uh, teaching that we're going to be really hearing tonight. I really, really want to emphasize that because 
that being the case, that means it has huge implications on how we even look at the rapture. Uh, but we want to uh, begin to dict, extract all the golden nuggets of truth that are associated with that text, uh, the first Thessalonians text, as well as the first uh, uh, Corinthians text in the 15th chapter. Uh, the word rapture is basically used uh, when Christ miraculously takes the church, the living saints out of the world, being caught up to meet the Lord in the air prior to his outpouring of wrath on the world. So basically how we look at this is we look at it as the living at the time escaped the wrath of God. And so that's why there's so much emphasis placed on the us getting caught up because the us getting caught up part escapes the, the wrath of God that's about to be poured out on the world. So that's the what that's where we really put our emphasis on is the is that part. However, the rapture comes immediately after the resurrection of the dead, because again, the dead in Christ rise first. And that's really the important part that we understand. Now, uh, another scripture that is often used uh, to associate it with the rapture, and I'm not in disagreement with it, I'm going to show it to you. It is in St. John chapter number 14. The text reads this way. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house. There are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go prepare a place for you. If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Okay, so again, here Jesus is saying, do not let your heart be troubled and all of that. Now, when he said, do not let the heart be troubled, I, I, I remember uh, Dr. Marsh Hitchcock uh, from Dallas Theological Seminary, and, uh, one of the theolo popular uh, dispensational uh, premillennial pre-trib theologians around today. Uh, he was saying uh, if this church had to go through any any part of the tribulation, this text couldn't read, let not your heart be troubled, but let your heart be troubled. But the idea of this is just, it's just it's such a, it, it's such a superficial idea and pre-trib is notorious for this <laughs> because the guys that Jesus is actually talking to here and in, in, uh, uh, in this text, all of them were martyred. <laughs> <laughs> Except for John. I mean, all of these guys met brutal, horrible deaths, okay? So, uh, if let not your heart be troubled was an indication that they would escape tribulation, okay, uh, then that text doesn't teach that because all those guys died, including Paul got his head cut off, Peter was crucified upside down, and, and uh, uh, there were many, many other people during the first century that just died horrible deaths. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the th church that was in Thessalonica uh, was actually a church that was under severe persecution, and this was one of the reasons why some of them already thought they were in the day of the Lord. But, uh, uh, but getting back to this text, uh, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, the John uh, 14 uh, text uh, verses 1 through 3 is another text that is used to teach a pre-tribulational uh, rapture uh, that the, the many of the pre-tribulational uh, people use this text as well. Okay, 
Uh, of course, I do not teach pre-trib. Uh, those of you that know me know that I am pre-wrath, but I am uh, pre-wrath not after uh, Marvin Rosenthal and Mr. Kushner and the other uh, 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 scholars that are typically associated with um, uh, pre-wrath. I teach what I teach is a little bit different. Okay, the rapture of the living is only part of the story, ladies and gentlemen. That's the idea of what I'm trying to teach you right now. It's only part of the story. And to get and to really get an understanding of it, we really have to look at the scriptures. So let's talk about the word rapture itself. The word rapture is not found in the Bible. <laughs> you know, if you're looking for the word rapture, you're not going to find it, okay? Because it's not in the Bible. Uh, but it comes from a Latin word, rapturo. Or, uh, and there are other Latin, uh, derivatives of that Latin word. Some of them are spelled different and are pronounced different, but rapturo, which means to be snatched or carried away. The word used in the Bible, which is translated as caught up, is the Greek word harpazo. Harpazo. Okay, so we're going to take a look at the definition of harpazo. It means to steal, it means to capture. It means to snatch. It means to seize. It means to take by force. It means to catch away. Now, those are not my definitions. That is taken from the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. Uh, it's the from the uh, the one volume uh, version of it. Uh, those of the, the I, and I ha actually had the fourteen volume set uh, by Doctor that was edited by uh, Doctor Kittle. Uh, and so this is how they define harpazo. Uh, here um, and now, for, let me get let's let's get an idea of harpazo being used in another passage. Many of you might be familiar with it, reading from the King James Acts chapter number eight, verse uh, verse thirty nine. This is how the word reads: It says, "And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went away rejoicing. Those of you that understand this uh, are familiar with this passage. It is when the Ethiopian eunuch uh, gave his life to Christ. Uh, uh, Philip, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, 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 kind of dispatched Philip to go to this guy. Uh, uh, and uh, when he did join up with him, he come to find out the guy was riding in, uh, riding in a chariot. He was reading what we know today as this Isaiah 53. And so uh, he, the eunuch began to ask questions. And the, the main question he was, he said, who is this guy talking about himself or somebody else that gave Philip the opportunity to minister to him about Jesus Christ and make him understand that Isaiah's prophecy of the 53rd chapter actually talked about the suffering of Jesus Christ, his, his sacrificial death and his resurrection and all of that. And so after being taught the gospel, uh, uh, the eunuch then said, well, what's preventing me from being baptized? And so they saw some water. The eunuch got out and said, let's stop right now. And, uh, uh, and, and, and I keep saying eunuch, but he was actually the treasurer of Candace, the queen, the queen of the Ethiopians. So you had black African uh, believers, Jews, with some believe that that may have been of the Jewish lineage, uh, but these were uh, believers who already had the scriptures. This was a very educated man. He was reading, so that you know people didn't read, but most people didn't read back in those days. And he was a high-ranking Ethiopian official there at Jerusalem worshiping. 
Okay, so the bottom line is he had the Bible, he was reading it. And he just needed Philip to come and understand, help him understand. And and, and Philip didn't just so just so had to happen up on this guy. The 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 text in the eighth chapter actually said the spirit uh, led him to go meet up with this person. Okay, so now they get out of the chariot, the uh, eunuch. Then they get baptized, and verse thirty nine is gives you what happened after the baptism. Again, let me read it for you again. And when they were come up out of the water, because he has just got baptized, and the Spirit of the Lord caught him away, caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. So this is very interesting. The Spirit caught him up. Listen, don't ask me. I'm just reading to you what the Scriptures say. The word caught away there again is harpazo. And so that's why I'm bringing this text up because the harpazo is used uh, in this passage as well. And I'm not saying this is not used anywhere else. I'm just saying I wanted to use that one because here we actually see the action in a sense. Or it is at least uh, alluded to in the text that he was caught away suddenly and the eunuch saw him no more. Okay? All right. Some of the characteristics of the rapture is that it is instantaneous. It, 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 according to uh, uh, the Apostle Paul in First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen, it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. That is First Corinthians fifteen fifty two. The dead in Christ rise first. First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty two as well. First Thessalonians four chapter number sixteen. It happens at the last trumpet, 1 Corinthians, again, 15.52. The believers meet the Lord in the air, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. And no man knows the day or the hour, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. Now, that's not every aspect of the rapture, but I'm just hitting some major bullet points so we can move on because I'm really going somewhere else. I'm just laying some foundational uh, study right now, okay? As we continue on, we want to see again... Uh, the rapture of the living is only part of the story. The issue is uh, 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 what's kind of dominated how we approach the whole uh, doctrine of the rapture is it's been dominated by popular uh, end time prophecy material in literature that was uh, uh, given out. That Actually, one of the fir- very first one was the movie um, A Thief in a Night which came out in the 70s, and it basically taught a pre-tribulational rapture. Uh, But the most popular one, which was a book series and then uh, uh, a couple of movies was made uh, by by uh, Tim LaHaye and I forget the other guy's name. It was two of them that were working together. But it's this series and the movie Left Behind. Uh, it gave us a dramatic depiction of the concept of a pre-tribulational rapture. Uh, you know, uh, basically, you know how with those of you that saw the movie, everybody's going about their business and everything. Then all of a sudden, people just disappear. If you were if you were a Christian, born again Christian, and you were driving a car, you disappeared behind a wheel. The car crashed and caused a big accident. If you were a, a Christian and you were a pilot, you disappeared. The plane crashed. You, 
you know, and uh, so you, you get the idea. The world is thrown into chaos because this event called the rapture has happened, and then those that are left behind are left to grapple with all the complexities of a world about to go mad uh, because the rapture has taken place, and the revealing of the Antichrist follows, and then the Great Tribulation and all of that. And so this is basically how the whole left behind scenario has given. It's just that people are going to be going about their business, then all of a sudden everybody's just going to, all, all the Christians are going to disappear. All the babies under 12 or whatever age, they're just going to, all the infants are gone, all the babies are gone, and, and the rapture happens and people are disappearing right there on the airplane. They're, 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 they're just gone and people are freaking out. Where did my husband go? You know, like in the movie, I think with uh, Nicolas Cage, because he, he did a, a version of Left Behind and he was one of the pilots. Well, he was one of the pilots that the plane didn't crash because he, evidently he wasn't safe, so he didn't get raptured. But the people were claiming, "Well, where's my husband? They're on this airplane, right? And uh, where's the where's the baby that was sitting next to me?" And all of a sudden they're gone. And how could somebody take them? They're at forty thousand feet uh, in the air on the airplane, right? And it's in a sealed tube, flying <laughs> a sealed aerodynamically configured tube, flying at about four hundred miles now. So uh, they're going like, "Where could they have gone?" Right? Because this is is the idea that life would be going on suddenly, then all of a sudden, all the living Christians would just vanish, snatched away in the rapture, which again, it triggers the Great Tribulation. So it was movies like this and book series like this that basically dominated the thought and the conversation on the rapture. I've actually uh, talked to friends who were talking to people about questioning whether the pre-tribulational rapture is actually a, a, a correct biblically. Uh, and people in their retort back to this individual actually began to quote from the movie Left Behind <laughs> because people don't read their Bibles, right? What they do, but they do watch movies and they do read uh, fiction books and which Left Behind was a, fi a Christian fiction series that, on end time prophecy. It said, though this is an entertaining, uh, it's an entertaining concept, it doesn't necessarily convey what the Bible actually teaches about this tremendous event. Okay, it's it's the sensationalized, dramatized version of it for human consumption at the uh, uh, in media such as nonfiction books and entertainment where you can eat popcorn and pop and go, oh my God, you know, it's left behind, right? Okay, so the typical left behind tree pre-trib uh, depiction of events from 1 uh, Corinthians 15 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 4 focuses on the second part of a two-part event. That's the problem with telling people about the left behind uh, part of it because it doesn't focus on what actually the Bible says actually happens. It focuses on the living being caught up, but it says nothing about the first part of that. The living being caught up is actually the second part of a two-part event, ladies and gentlemen, so far as uh, 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 human beings being translated and all of that. And, so, and that's the problem with left behind. Little attention is ever paid to the resurrection of the dead. Little attention is ever paid attention to that. And so we just jump right to the people disappearing, but we don't deal with the fact that the dead in Christ rise first. And that's the important piece because that's the major piece, ladies and gentlemen. And as we go through this study, I'm going to challenge you. And these scriptures are going to challenge you because you're going to go, wait a minute. This is tremendous. Glory to God. 
I know about the people uh, 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 disappearing and all of that. I, I know that left behind version. Most people know the left behind pre-trib version, but they that they hop right over the dead rising first, go right to the living and getting caught up, and then we're happily ever after. But no, that's not how the Bible actually teaches it. And so we're going to uh, uh, actually get into this. And so basic, basically, uh, what I want to introduce you to is what the scripture says in the book of Romans, the likeness of his resurrection. Oh, glory to God. The likeness of his resurrection, the his being obviously Christ's resurrection. Amen. All right. Now, this is what the Bible talks about in Romans 6 and 5. And we're going to be going through several scriptures, so just bear with me. Romans 6 and 5, New American Standard. It says, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly, listen to this language, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, that's very important, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to be in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. Glory to God. All right, so let's look at it. Let's read the same uh, verse from the NIV. For if we have been united with him in death like uh, a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Oh, glory to God. Uh, this is how it says it in the KJV. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. So the scriptures are emphasizing an idea, a concept here. If we're united with him in, in his death, we also will be in the likeness of his, the his there being Christ Jesus, his resurrection. Glory to God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, gives us another interesting piece. It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slip. Now, let's, let's, let me read this to you again. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Glory to God. So we're going to get into what is this meant by this whole first fruit idea. Uh, clearly, the Bible establishes that we shall be in the likeness of Christ's resurrection, the resurrected Christ himself being the first fruits, which meaning the first of a type or the preeminent one, the first one of a type. Okay. So that's why the Bible puts it that way and, and, and establishes that concept. Now, as the God man, Christ was fully man and fully God. In theology, this is called the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union where Christ was fully God, fully man at the same time. 
Okay, now, in that reality, Christ is the only begotten son. He's the first and the last of that. That's why he's Alpha and Omega. He's the first of the last. And this is why John 3.16 says he is the only exclusive, no more after him, begotten son of the Father. Glory to God. In the sense of him coming down from heaven, having a physical body, being uh, uh, Mary being impregnated or miraculously impregnated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She became pregnant from a child from above. Glory to God. Of that type, Christ is the only one who, became, who was all man and all God at the same time. Okay? So that's called, in theology, it's called the hypostatic union. However, in the resurrection, Christ is not the only, but Christ is the first fruits of them that slept. Glory to God. Slept is a metaphor for died, for being dead. Okay, in the resurrection, Christ is the first fruits, not like it was in the hypostatic union, the only begotten son. In the resurrection, he's the first of them that slept. Again, that comes from 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Meaning, not that he was the only one, but the first of a type. That's what first fruits means. Not only fruits, first fruits. First implies others will follow him in that Resurrection, And so this is why Paul talked to us and uh, taught us in Romans chapter uh, 6. He said that we would, if we were planted in the likeness of Christ's death, we would also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Paul expanding on that meaning, expanding, expanding on that concept in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to 20 and saying that Christ is the first fruit of them that slept, meaning not that he was the only, but the first of a type. Glory to God. There would be others that follow in his resurrection. Glory to God. So, the question is, is what was Christ's resurrection like? What was it like? Glory to God. So we want to take a look at that. What was Christ's resurrection like? All right, so the Bible tells us he was the first fruits of them that slept and that we would be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so, again, we want to dig into this so we can understand it. Glory to God, because it's important we'll have direct impact on uh, all of us when he returns. Okay, now, uh, uh, St. John chapter 20, verse 17. This is what the word of God reads. This is uh, what Jesus said. Jesus said unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my father. It's an interesting passage of scripture, ladies and gentlemen. 
because we are going we are investigating what it was like what Christ's resurrection was like let's let's give you a, another clue let's look at John uh, same chapter verses uh, uh, 19 and 20 from the KJV it says the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them peace be unto you and when he had so said he showed them his hands and his side then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord okay now this is interesting because now the Jews after Jesus had died, remember that the, the Bible, it had, it had been prophesied, smite the shepherd, the sheep have scattered. That's exactly what happened. After he was crucified, they all ran. <laughs> you know, Jesus was a tremendous hero and man of God and walked on the water and calming the seas, raising the dead and all that. And it, he, it was cool while he was living. But as soon as they got him on that cross and he he died, it was like, whoa, this is kind of like drastic. And they got scared because they and went and hid themselves. Okay, Christ hadn't rose from the dead yet. So. Glory to God. So now this verse, Christ is already risen. And so now they're locked up in this place. They kind of like hiding out. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears <laughs> and said, peace be unto you. Well, they probably, oh, he probably scared the daylights out of them. It's kind of like that, uh, that commercial, um, I think it's one of the uh, uh, Comcast commercials or Xfinity commercial. And you got the two neighbors, and one neighbor just appears, and the guy's trying to get ready, and the guy shows up. Hey, you can switch your internet service, and the guy scares the guy, and then and then and then it reverses roles, and then the guy is he's at home, and all of a sudden he's I got the internet service, and the guy says, Ah, don't show up like that, don't 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 surprise me like that. Well, I, I, it's humorous, but if you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, these men were in the locker room, and Jesus just showed up and go, Peace be unto you. Well, they probably scared the daylights out of them. <laughs> what you mean, peace? You just, I just had a, almost had a conniption here. You know, so <laughs> you just got to understand, you know, we kind of read over this stuff and we, we, we had to put flesh and blood on some of these verses. It's kind of like, that's like real drastic. Like, <laughs> Lord, could you kind of like knock next time? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Call me first, text me first before you just show up. And I mean, he showed up for real. <laughs> you know, so we, we, you know, I can imagine that was kind of a very interesting moment there. Okay. So uh, we're just painting a picture of what Christ's resurrection was like, what his body was like. And so that's what we're getting. Why? Why is this important? Because we're going to be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's why we're going through this. Let's look at some more passages. It says, and that Saturday evening when the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Now this says it from the New Living Translation. It's the same verse. Okay. It says that Sunday evening when the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. And the reason why the New Living Translation says Sunday evening, because the first day of the week is actually Sunday. The Bible doesn't actually say Sunday, but it's the New Living Translation. 
translation. It, it does. It did it for us because we're we, in English. That's how we understand it. So that Sunday evening, when the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jews, suddenly Jesus was standing among them. Peace be unto you, he said. And so that just gives you an idea of how traumatic of an event that that was, you know. So now, in verse uh, 20, verse 17, with the very first scripture we read, Jesus stated, touch me not. Okay, now, touch me is a clear indication that he had physicality. He wasn't a fathom. He wasn't a ghost. He had an actual body in his resurrection. Okay? Right now. He also had the ability in that body to ascend into heaven. And that's why he told Mary Magdalene, he said, listen, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. So, hmm. A physical body that can ascend and also appear through solid barriers. Interesting, interesting. Look, look let's look at it again. Uh, 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 verse number, uh, uh, St. John chapter 20, verse 17. Let's look at it again. It says, Jesus said unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. He had the ability to ascend up into heaven. Glory to God. Uh, and St. John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. Jesus' body had the ability to transit through solid barriers. Remember, the doors and stuff were locked. He just showed up. Go right through that. Glory to God. Interesting, right? Hmm. Let's look at the verse again. Then, then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were, Assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. So we're just going cover going back over this because we want to emphasize the points about what was Christ's resurrection like? Why are we going through this? Because the Bible tells us in Romans, we will be in the likeness of his resurrection. Glory to God. Now let's look at let's look at uh, some text from Luke, Luke chapter twenty four verses thirty seven through thirty nine, reading from the KJV. It says, "But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts rise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me." And see, for a spirit have not flesh and bone as ye see me have. Now, I want you to get that, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to get that. Jesus says, look, y'all, it is actually me, myself. Glory to God. Very interesting because we're going to be in the likeness of his resurrection. Glory to God. Christ is the first fruits of them that slept. 
He's the first of a type. There's going to be others. Glory to God. St. John 20, verse 27. Listen to what it says. This is what he told to Thomas. He's the, then he said to Thomas, Reach thither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach thither my, thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. So listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting aspects of what a resurrected, glorified body is like. Glory to God. Let's continue to read. Luke 24, 37-39. Jesus declared, It is me, myself. In other words, there is continuous cognition. Continuous cognition is a continuous of remembrance and thought. It isn't interrupted. Glory to God. The resurrected Christ recalled the events of what it was like and what he went through in his earthly body. So that means his mind, his conscience, all of that continued right over into his glorified body. Glory to God. This is why Jesus was able to say, hey, y'all, it is me, myself. Glory to God. Interesting, right? Mm. Let's keep reading. It's interesting that though he was in a glorified body, he still had the same scars from his earthly body. There was a direct correlation between the natural body and the glorified body, ladies and gentlemen. Though we will be changed, there will be similarities and characteristics that translate into glorified, resurrected bodies. And this is why Jesus is able to say, it is me, myself. This is why Jesus was able to say, Thomas, look at my hands. This is where the nails were, right here. Look at my side. That's where they pierced me in the side. So there are things that will translate over. I, now, I don't know in every case and how it's going to work with everybody, but we're saying we will be in the likeness of his resurrection. So we have to look at Christ's resurrection and say, listen, he is the first of a type. We're going to be, we are joint heirs with him. What he got, we get. Glory to God. We'll be in the likeness of his resurrections. Why? Because we were planted together with him. We were crucified with him. We are raised with him, seated in heavenly places with him. We get a body just like the one he had. Jesus still had the scars from his crucifixion. It's interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Let's look at Luke again, Luke uh, 24, 36 through 43. And it says, as they spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace be unto you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. So now, 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 so that means 
he was himself, he looked like himself, but I, there was something to him that they thought they were seeing a ghost. Verse 37 again, it says, but they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are ye troubled? Why do thoughts rise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit have not flesh and bones. As you see, I have. That's another aspect. Glorified bodies have flesh and bone. Now, no mention of blood is made, mentioned here, but flesh and bone are mentioned. Jesus says, I'm not a spirit. I'm not a ghost. Spirits do not have flesh and bone. Interesting. Jesus was resurrected. He had perfect. He had cognition from one from one side to the other. The body he had had likenesses and characteristics that carried over into his glorified body because he still had the same scars. He had flesh and bone. And when he had thus spoken, verse number forty. Look at this. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet and while they believed not for joy and wondered he said unto them have you any meat and they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb listen <laughs> and he took it and did eat it before them now listen ladies and gentlemen Jesus in his glorified body made of flesh and bone bore characteristics of the uh, natural body, still had the scars in his hands and everything, still recalled memories translated from one side to the other. Jesus said, it is me, myself, flesh and bone hands. And then on top of it, he said, give me a piece of fish. <laughs> Jesus ate food. To prove to them, I'm not a ghost. This is a real resurrection. Glory to God. I want you to think about what this means. So, let's look at it again. Let's just go over this. The resurrected body in the resurrection, Christ stated that he was not a spirit or a ghost. But had flesh and bone, glorified bodies would be literal flesh and bone. We would have flesh and bone bodies, ladies and gentlemen. Then it says in verse 41, again it says, While they believed not for joy, and they wondered and said unto me, Do you have anything to eat? He took it and ate. Glorified individuals would be able to eat and enjoy food. That's what we're going to do when we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a supper. <laughs> It'll be new wine and everything. A supper. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to sit down with, with the Lord. Glory to God. It's a wonderful idea. This is an account in Luke. 
chapter 24, verses 28 through 35. Jesus appeared to other people. Look at this. As they approached the village to which they were not going, Jesus continued on as if though he were going further. But they urged him strongly, said, stay with us. For it is nearly evening. The, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with him, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. See, these two guys, they were coming, they were coming back, and all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to them, started talking to them, and they said, man, he said, well, why you, Jesus was basically saying, why you guys are sad? He said, man, didn't you, didn't you, are you a stranger here? Didn't you hear about the events that, how they crucified the, the Lord and all of that? And uh, he's, and he's supposed to be in rose from the dead, and Jesus said, oh, yeah. Oh, tell me more. You know, he's walking with him and all of that. <laughs> and so they're walking with him. They didn't, they didn't recognize him. They were walking with him, talking with him. They said, well, come on, man. Stay, stay on, man. It's about to turn evening. You ought to come on in the house with us, you know. And so they, they continued on. And so it, by, basically he says, uh, uh, and when he was at the table with him, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then they op Then their eyes were opened. Jesus opened their eyes so they could see that it was really him. And he disappeared from their sight. Jesus had a body that could appear and disappear. Ladies and gentlemen. In a glorified body. Made of flesh and bone that could eat food. All that materialized through solid barriers, appear and disappear, and can appear in a veiled form where you can recognize them or not recognize them. Verse 33, this is what it says. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those with them and assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when he, they, when he broke bread. He broke the bread. They couldn't wait to go tell somebody that. Say, guess what, y'all? We were just with him, man. And right when we was about to hand him the butter to put on the bread, he disappeared. <laughs> Jesus was in a glorified body that came out of the tomb. Interesting. So remember now, we will be in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. Not Lazarus' resurrection. Lazarus died again. He was in a natural body, right? And the other people that Jesus rose from the dead, they all died again. They had natural bodies. Okay, but Jesus is the first fruits. He wasn't the first one to be raised from the dead. He was the first to be raised from the dead in a glorified body, never to die again. He's the first of a type in that. He was the only begotten son in his hypostatic union as all God and all man. 
coming here to die on the cross, being made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. He's the only in that type. But in his resurrection, he's the first fruits of them that slept, meaning there will be others. So, remember Jesus, we're in the likeness of his resurrection. Jesus had a physical, visible body of that had flesh and bone, that had cognition and memory and recall, that could ascend up into heaven, defy gravity, could materialize through solid barriers, could enjoy food, had bear direct characteristics to his earthly body. Remember, he still brought the scars with him into the glorified body and could appear and disappear at will. Remember, we're going to be in the likeness of his resurrection. But, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus rose from the dead, soon afterwards, he didn't rise alone. There were others that rose after his resurrection. Listen to the text. Matthew, chapter 27, verse 50 through 53, King James Version. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, or in other words, torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent, or the rocks split in two. Again, that's King James English. The rocks wasn't paying rent. <laughs> You know, word rent now means a fee you pay to, to have something that's not yours. That's something you're borrowing, right? But back in King James Day, rent also meant split in two. We don't use that word for that anymore. That's why uh, I, I, I love the King James Version of the Bible, but you you really need to have a Bible that, it, that with a, the English is calibrated to a our language to where we can understand and get the right understanding. Okay? Verse number 52. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now hold them up right there. This account is only found in Matthew. And I understand that many of you may have never seen this passage. But after Christ rose from the dead, at some point after that, there were other saints that also rose. And the power after his resurrection. They came out of their graves. And glorified bodies. And went into the 
holy city, which means Jerusalem, and appeared to many. Let's read 52 again, because I know some of you are just going like, wow, right now. And the graves were open, Matthew 27, 52. So we know we're not talking about Jesus' grave. Graves, plural, were open. And many, listen to this, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is off of the charts phenomenal. Jesus came out of the tomb in a visible, spiritual, glorified body that had flesh and bone. And these people came out of their graves just like he did. Came out of the graves and bodies and went into the holy city and appeared to many. I want you to think about that. They were visible. And real bodies that were glorified. And they walked up out of their graves. I want you to think about that. Don't let that pass you by. Do not let this pass you by. Because we are going to be in the likeness of his resurrection. Glory to God. Let's read another account of some people who were dead who came back to life. This is the two witnesses. Now I want you to, to stick with me here. This is a long passage, but I got to get all of this in your spirit so we'll understand. So when we get back to the rapture, we'll understand what really happens. Revelation 11, verses 7 through 12, English Standard Version. It says, and when they have finished their testimony, the beast that arises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. This is the two witnesses, two prophets. And their dead bodies, he's going to kill them now. The dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that is symbolically called Sodom in Egypt where the Lord was crucified, which identifies it as Jerusalem, okay? But God spiritually sees it as Sodom and Egypt. <laughs> that's, a, that's a conversation for another, for another lesson. Verse number nine. For three and a half days, some of the peoples and the tribes and the languages of the nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had, had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11, listen to this. But after three and a half days, 
a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on all those who saw them. So in other words, they're going to see them dead. All of a sudden, God is going to bring them back to life, but he does it, and it's visible. It's Everybody sees it. These aren't ghosts. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up hither. And they went up into heaven in a cloud and their enemies watched them. Physical bodies, visible, floating up in the air in a cloud. Every time the dead raise, they raise with physical bodies, visible bodies. We are in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. Romans talks about this phenomenon in Romans 8, 22 through 23. 22, 22 and 23. English Standard Version, it says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We are waiting for the redemption of our bodies, ladies and gentlemen. We already have the uh, uh, adoption as sons. That's already had. The spirit is already bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and we are the, the sons of God and we, we are joint heirs with Christ. See, all that has happened in the spirit. The, Paul also says, he says, though our outward man perish, our inward man is being renewed day by day. There is another you that you've never seen. It's spiritual. Glory to God. And it will have to go along with it a spiritual body. Just like right now, you have a you have a spirit that lives in a physical body. But in the resurrection, you will also have a spiritual body, but it will not be natural, it'll be spiritual. It'll still be physical. You won't be a ghost. You have flesh and blood. Just, no, excuse me, flesh and bone, just like Jesus had. Let me state that again. I misspoke when I said flesh and blood because we're so used to saying that. Flesh and bone. Glory to God. So now, so now, ladies and gentlemen, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 35 to 38, English Standard Version. Now Paul gets into the argument 
because there was people that was arguing with him, talking about, well, there ain't no resurrection. What, what, what's wrong with you, man, talking about this resurrection stuff? And listen how Paul deals with this, because it's important, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to understand the rapture, you got to understand the resurrection first. And this is why Paul goes through so much time in the in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians and, and, and explaining it. Listen what he says. He's dealing with the naysayers. He said, but some will ask, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body do they come? See, that's the first question that they were asked. And, and, so, and this is for the skeptics. And so Paul fires back. He said, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that it will be, but a bare grain, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. So now Paul is breaking it down. He said, you guys got to understand this. Then he picks it up. So it is, 1 Corinthians 15, 42-44. So it is in the resurrection of the dead. It is sown. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. It is raised a spiritual body. Then he says, there is a natural body. Now, then he says, sorry about that. It says, if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Okay? In the resurrection, you're sown a natural body, but you're raised a spiritual Continuing on in his argument, 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 49, this is what it said. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a living spirit. The first Adam being, being the real Adam, the last Adam being Christ, because Christ is the first of a type. Just like Adam was the, was the, was the what is called the federal head, glory to God, of this race. Glory to God, Christ is the last Adam, which is the federal head or the first type, first of a type of his kind. Okay, so let me read that again. The, Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, Adam the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, also are those who are of 
the dust. And as it is the man of heaven, so are also, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we also bear the image of the man of heaven. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, we will be in the likeness of his resurrection. Glory to God. Now listen to this. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood or our natural bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. So when the trumpet sounds, the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. And we meaning the living at the time. All right. So remember in first Thessalonians chapter number four, verses 14 through 17, 13 through 17, it says, for the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's what we just saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The dead raising imperishable and the those that are alive, they'll be changed. Okay? So now, what's also associated with this rapture? The resurrection rapture. Okay? I don't like just calling it just a rapture because it's not just a rapture. It's the resurrection rapture. Glory to God. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. Listen to this. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel. And with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise First, all right. First Corinthians fifteen fifty two. Listen, same language. At the last trump. So now, First Corinthians gives us some some uh, uh the thing uh, gives us a little information because it says it's the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. It's the same order. It's the dead first. 
So we got the order of events, ladies and gentlemen. The seventh trumpet or the last trumpet sounds. This is going to be a noisy event. The trumpet's going to sound. The Lord then descends from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. Archangel. Then all of the dead in Christ will come out of their graves from all over the world. Invisible, glorified bodies just as Christ had. And they meet the Lord in the air in the clouds. This is the part that the left behind scenario left out. Because they have it just the living disappearing and then they just go on. That is not what happens, ladies and gentlemen. What happens is first, these sounds happen, the trumpets blow, the Lord shouts the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ rise first. What does that mean? That means dead Christians from all over the world that have been dead for the last 2,000 years. And the argument can be made whether it's not just the church or not. And we, I think we can make that argument, but we won't take it up here. We, we can get to it, though. I believe you really can make an argument. It's not just the church, even though he said the dead in Christ. The argument can be made, and we'll see why here in a minute. Let's just put it, let's just leave it right there for right now. So the trumpet sounds, ladies and gentlemen. When the trumpet sounds, the living people don't disappear. Not first, anyway. What happens first is people who have been dead come out of their graves in physical, glorified bodies just like Jesus had. I want you to Think of what that will look like. Think of that. Now, here's a footnote. Those who've already gone on to be with the Lord, when, when they die, their spirit goes to immediately be with the Lord. Where do we get that from? For, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 8. This is what it says. For we are, we are confident, I say, and, and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. So when a Christian dies, his spirit goes to be with God. Okay? As a matter of fact, Paul even says it in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. He says, I am in a strait betwixt the two, having the desire to part and go be with Christ, which is far better. He said, but it's better for you. He said, if it was up to me, I'd go be with Jesus now. So Paul had an expectation that upon immediately dying, he goes to be with the Lord. But his body 
would go in the ground and be planted. Okay? Therefore, when the resurrection happens, God brings with him the spirits of those who are already with the Lord when they died and unites that spirit with a glorified body that comes up out of the grave and thus this affects what we call or what the Bible calls the resurrection of the dead. This was the whole argument that Paul made through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What body do they come with? Because they was being sarcastic. He said, you fool, you don't understand. When you plant a corn of wheat in the ground, it doesn't come out of the ground another corn of wheat. No, it comes out of corn stalk. The seed that you plant is not what comes out of the ground. It is after its kind, yes. If you plant a watermelon seed, you are not going to get a mango tree. <laughs> you gotta get a watermelon. This comes after its own kind, but it's not what you put in the ground. It's what comes out of the ground is much greater than what went in. And that's the point Paul was making about the resurrection. After all of this happens, then we who are alive and remain will be changed in a twinkling of an eye and caught up harpazo to meet the Lord and those already resurrected in the air in the clouds. Now, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, listen, listen to me now. This will be a visible event. This will not be Dead people coming out of the grounds invisibly because that would make them spirits. These are not spirits. And Jesus made it a big point to tell people, I am not a ghost. It is really me in a glorified body that can materialize through solid walls, that can appear and reappear, that can eat fish but bear the resemblances of the old body, but be a completely glorified body suited to be in the presence of God. Right now, the bodies that we are in, we were in God's presence, we would evaporate. <laughs> we couldn't stand in the presence of a holy God. Our earthly bodies are not designed for that. Our earthly bodies are designed to live down here. That's even why John was caught up in, into heaven. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Paul said, I was caught up into heaven. Glory to God. As verse 7 says, it says, Then we which are alive and remain, glory to God, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So, ladies and gentlemen, somehow after these bodies come out of the grave, they raise up just like those two witnesses raised up. People saw that. People saw that. People will see these dead people. They're no, they're no longer dead, but they'll see them in their glorified bodies, ladies and gentlemen. That means if you're walking by a cemetery or something like that and, and this happens... You'll see that that will be visible. 
just like it was visible when these saints came out of the ground in Matthew chapter 27. Those people saw them. The Bible, the Bible says they came out of their tomb. They were visible and went to Jerusalem. <laughs> this is why Jesus had to say, hey, y'all, it is me, myself. I am not a ghost. Yeah, I know I just appeared through this wall. I know y'all got the doors locked and all that, but I'm not a ghost. This is what, let's look at the text again. Behold, I show you what? A mystery. Mysterion in the Greek. Means the hidden counsel of God, unknown to man unless God reveals it. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And the moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, but the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So that when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, O death is swallowed up in victory. Now listen to what Paul says here, ladies and gentlemen. Paul says, death is swallowed up in victory. You know where he's quoting from? He's quoting from Isaiah 25 and 8. Isaiah. The rapture of the church was veiled to Isaiah, but Isaiah actually talked about it. So this is why I, I believe that, and the Jews anticipated the rapture, I, I anticipated the resurrection, excuse me. Paul says what Isaiah prophesied is fulfilled when God takes the church. So maybe it's not just the church's resurrection because Paul reaches back and gets an old time old, old Testament prophecy and said, this is when that is fulfilled. So even though it says the dead in Christ, you have to understand all the people that died before Christ we're waiting on him. It's just that we are on two opposite ends of the cross. Christ is still their redeemer, just like he is ours. It's his blood that sanctifies them, just like it does ours. It's just that we, we are on the other side of the cross. They died before the cross, but it's the same Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. All the way back to Adam. They have all been looking for, we have all been looking for the same Messiah. The same one. So the prophecies given in the Old Testament about the resurrection, Paul quotes Isaiah and said, Isaiah is filled, fulfilled when God takes 
the church, which I believe means it's not just the church. It's all of the redeemed when this trumpet blows. Now, there will be people that disagree with that because they're going to strictly stick to where it says dead in Christ. Where the dead in Christ doesn't exclude anybody, but it focuses on the church because Paul was now in the church age. So, of course, he's going to put us in, but that don't mean others were excluded. And the reason why we're saying that is because Paul says the fulfillment of the prophecies of Isaiah that looked forward to the resurrection are fulfilled when God takes the church. So, it to me, that means it would include those whom Isaiah also prophesied about, and it was their inheritance and they, and they look forward to the fact that they would be resurrected one day as well. But Paul doesn't just quote Isaiah. He also quotes Hosea. Verse 55. Oh death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? Now he's quoting Hosea 13, 14. Glory to God. This is why I say it may not just be just the church. Because the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy happens with the fulfillment of God blowing that last trumpet and the dead in Christ. Don't let in Christ fool you here. Moses all those people who look forward to Christ, all those—that's what they were doing—the lambs and the offer, the, the rams and the goats and the blood of the lamb and all of that—that that was anticipation of Jesus. That's why when John the Baptist saw him, he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world." The sin of the world included everybody from Adam on up, on back, include everybody, all the righteous. Jesus is not just the savior of the church. He's the savior of all the righteous because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's not just a church age phenomenon. That's everybody. There are none righteous, no, not one. Paul is quoting from Psalms and other Old Testament Thing, uh, uh, Old Testament prophets when he's when he goes through his litany in, in Romans chapter 3 of how without Christ the wages of sin is death and he says there are none righteous no not one there's none that seeketh unto God there's none that understand Paul is quoting various Old Testament prophets to make the point that we're all lost we're all hopeless without Jesus Jesus is not just the savior of the church. Jesus is the fulfillment and the Messiah of all that trusted and loved him even before he got here. Glory to God. So what would the resurrection rapture look like? Let me just give you, <laughs> let me just give you something to focus on. Let's say you were at a funeral the night that trumpet blew. What would you see? Let's say the person that died that was being funeralized was a righteous saint. And the people that were in the attending the funeral at a church 
all their mourning that dead person. Well, when that trumpet blew, the dead in Christ would rise first, which means the person in that casket would come right up through that casket in a physical, glorified body that's visible, touchable. Now, I'm not saying they would walk through the audience and you know, shake everybody's hand. I'm not saying that. They'd probably float right on up. But it would be visible. If it was invisible, it would be a ghost. I want you to think about that. Think about what happens in a funeral. And think about all of a sudden, all of the sounds that are associated, the trump, the shout, the voice of the archangel, and then the dead rising first. So, the question would come, well, does the rapture have work while the people are running? <laughs> because that's exactly what would happen if you were sitting in the funeral and all of a sudden the trumpet blew, everybody's crying, then all of a sudden right through that casket comes mother in a glorified body and flow right on up into heaven to meet the Lord in the air. Float right through everything. You would see it. Physical body. Just like Christ's resurrection. Jesus was not a ghost. He had flesh and bone. He ate food. He could appear and reappear. He could materialize through solid objects. Just like those saints in Matthew 27 who came out of those graves after Christ's resurrection, they were visible, went into Jerusalem, and people saw them. Just like the two witnesses, they came back to life in front of everybody, floated up in a cloud, out of their sight, in front of everybody. Not ghosts, not fathoms, visible. Saw it with their own eyes. Glory to God. Let's just imagine if you was, <laughs> you were jogging near a graveyard. The trumpet sound and all that stuff all of the associated sounds, you would see people coming out of the grave and glorified bodies. Just like they saw Jesus. Just like they saw the two witnesses. Just like they saw those other ones in Matthew 27. After God is finished with raising the dead, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. This whole left behind scenario, ladies and gentlemen, is incorrect. It's not going to happen like that. 
Glory to God. It's not going to happen exactly like what they say. The dead rise first. Imagine what that looks like. I want you to just be, imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine millions of people all over the world. Some who have been dead for over 2,000 years coming out of their graves and glorified bodies and floating up into heaven while people saw it. Let's look at Matthew 27, 50 through 53 again. I know this is, look, ladies and gentlemen, I know this is a shocker, but this is what the Bible actually teaches, not the left behind scenario. Matthew 27, 50 through 53. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks were rent. Listen to this very carefully. Read it with me now. And the graves were opened. And many bodies, listen to this very carefully, of the saints which slept arose and they came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the word of God. That's what the Bible says. This is not Dennis Wood. I'm reading to you what the scriptures say. I'm not talking about no fantastical, uh, 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 biblical fiction book series and a movie called Left Behind where they depicted part two and don't deal with part one. I want you to imagine what this looks like. Physical bodies of dead people floating up in the air. Going right up in their sight. A visible resurrection of dead saints occurs first. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. In other words, after God has this whole process happen first that's what the word then means the second order of events is to get the living now when the living go they are changed instantaneously but their change doesn't mean they disappear their change means they go from a mortal body to an immortal body and then they too are caught up into heaven to meet the people that were dead and raised that are already with the Lord. 
Just think of this. This is beyond comprehension. But it's what the Bible said. Glory to God. Let me do an, another share here. I have a follow-up lesson that I'm going to be doing. It's called the Seventh Trumpet Rapture. And we'll be getting into that pretty soon. But I wanted to share this with you from the book of Acts. The first chapter, the eighth verse. And then they said, Therefore, let me go to the whole screen here. Therefore, when he had come together and they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, while they watched. Remember now, Jesus is already resurrected. He's already did many infallible proofs. The Bible says that the Bible can't even contain all of the things that Jesus did. We do not have a complete record of everything he did. The Bible even tells us he did many infallible proofs. There was a whole bunch of them. Okay. Listen to what it says here. While they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received them out of their sight. So, ladies and gentlemen, they actually were there when the Lord was taken up. They actually, their eyes followed him up. He didn't just foof, disappear like a, 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 a Star Trek transporter where you just kind of like disappear and you're gone. That's not what happened. He was taken up in a cloud. They watched it with their own eyes. And listen to this, verse number 10. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, because they were following him up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up in heaven? They were, they were trying to follow up. They, I could, could just imagine this. They are sitting there with their mouths open. Watching Jesus go up. Head going all the way back. Watching him go up. And the two angels is like they had to shake them and get their attention. Like, hey! Why y'all sitting there looking at him? Y'all got some work to do. Then he said, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in a like manner 
as you saw him going to heaven. That's what the Bible says, ladies and gentlemen. When that trumpet blows, the dead in Christ rise first. I want you to think about this. And we're going to get into this part two. Because we're going to talk, we're going to talk about what that looks like. About them being in the air. People being able to see it. Just imagine that. See, we've been taught the left behind version so long. We've missed this part. Because we go, it's, because it's really a two-part thing. It's the dead in Christ rising first, then we who are alive in the man get caught up. We always go to dead in Christ rising first, and then we go, we, and we who are alive in the man, we're going to get caught up. That's the rapture. And we don't think about what it means for those that have been dead to precede us. There's people that have been lynched, ladies and gentlemen. We don't even know where their graves are. There's a whole bunch of people we don't even know where they're buried at. These people are going to come out of the ground in the places they went in. Not everybody's in the cemetery. I had someone ask me the other day, said, what if he was cremated? <laughs> I said, look, if God can raise people from the dead that's been dead for thousands of years, he can handle cremation. Okay? There are people that have died and sunk in the ocean. Their bodies, will, they're going to come out of the sea. You're talking about a tremendous event. But you know what? The devil got in it too. You know all these zombie movies and stuff? The Walking Dead and all of that? It's a mockery of the resurrection. It's not going to be zombies that come out of the ground, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be glorified bodies of the saints, of them that fear you, his name, both small and great, in Jesus' name. Listen, I hope you enjoyed this lesson. God bless you and keep you. And I, I want to just put this word out. Thank you so much for my supporters. Uh, I went to the mailbox today and somebody had sent the love offering all the way down from Houston, Texas. God bless you and your family. You, you know who you are. There have been others in, in Louisiana. There have been people in California that have contributed to this ministry that have just sent it. Look, if you want to do that, listen, we, we, look, we will receive it. I learned a long time ago, do not be modest about people blessing you. If they want to bless them, bless you, let them bless you. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus, if you want to reach out to us, you can. Glory to God. Uh, um, you can reach out to us and um, uh, you can send any donations to Power the Holy Ghost Deliverance Ministries or PhD Ministries. Uh, and, and you can send it to uh, Post Office Box 1239-1239, and that's Matson, Illinois, M-A-T-T-E-S-O-N, Illinois, where the zip is 60443, and you have to put it to, uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, again, Post Office Box 1239. So, uh, uh, we, we love you. If you want to send us an email, it would be PhD Ministries, the word PhD, the word ministries, the number 400 at att.net. And uh, when we get our Zelle hookup and all that, the people that want that want to give, hey, look, you can give in the name of Jesus. We are a 501c3 organization. Just make sure you make any 
uh, donations payable to power the Holy Ghost Deliverance Ministries, not Revelation Revolution. Revelation Revolution is the name of our podcast, and it is an entity that falls under the umbrella of our 501c3 entity. So God bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. We'll see you the next time. God bless you.